Well, hello. Welcome back to Come Follow Me with Fair Faithful Answers to New Testament Questions. My name is Jennifer Roach, and today we are talking about the atonement. We will see if we can get through this video. There's a giant storm out today. I've started and stopped this several times already. Um, so much thunder and lightning. So we will see what happens. This house sort of located, there's mountains over there and there's mountains over there. And we get storms sweeping through almost every afternoon lately. Um, so we'll see how we do. So yes, we're going to talk about atonement theories, trying to help you understand um, your evangelical friends and families, what they might be understanding about the atonement, um, hopefully to help you two things. One, just have some better conversations with them. And two, to be able to share with them some of the, the gifts, the plain and precious things of our faith that they might perhaps be interested in or curious about or blessed by. So this video is actually slightly different than some of the others that we have done. Um, it, it, other videos are more of a compare and contrast. This video is almost all just explaining to you the different views on the atonement. At the end, we'll touch on a tiny little bit of how our view is different, but but not much. Before I get started in all of that, would like to remind you about the FAIR conference happening in August, two through four in Provo, Utah. You can buy your tickets online, fairlatterdaysaints.org. Um, you also can stream for free, but you have to go to the website, fairlatterdaysaints.org to sign up um, if you would like to stream so that we can plan for that. Um, one of the presentations you will not want to miss is Jenny Reader. Um, Jenny is extraordinary. She's a PhD. Um, she's a historian. She works in the church history department. Um, last weekend, I was actually at a conference where she spoke a couple of different times on, on different aspects of church history, and she is phenomenal. She will be speaking at the fair conference. She is a she is a historian's historian. Like she is the real deal. Um, she's going to talk about one of my favorite figures in church history, Eliza R. Snow. If you do not know, the R stands for Roxy. She's Eliza Roxy Snow. Are you kidding me? We need to, there's a lot of girls named Eliza in our church. We need to start make, naming more girls Roxy. I think that'd be fantastic. Anyway, we are still in the Gospels. We have arrived at the portion dealing with the specifics of the crucifixion and resurrection. I don't actually have a specific verse to point us to because we're going to talk about the atonement. So it's sort of all of that stuff that happens. Um, as you will see, part of how we arrive at this at this episode um, is kind of that problem of like, how do you summarize the atonement? How how have people answered this question? The event of Christ happened and then answers went in lots of different directions. So we'll start with some history. Um, around the year 100 AD, at this point, it's been like 60-ish years since Jesus's death and resurrection. And he has not come back. And that's a problem 
for them. Most of the early believers thought that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetimes and, and he didn't. So they had kind of had this sense of like, we don't need to actually worry about all that much stuff. Jesus is coming back. You know, we're going to teach our kids, but we'll probably teach our grandkids, but that's it. Like they had this belief that none of them were going to die before Jesus came back. And it turns out they were wrong. So around the year 100, um, all of the apostles have died by now. Um, they're sort of scrambling to figure out how do we form a coherent theology out of what we have? Um, sometimes, you know, Latter-day Saints, sometimes I know you're curious about why the truths of Christ were not properly passed down, why some things were were lost. In my opinion, this is one of the biggest reasons is they all thought Jesus was coming right back. And so they just didn't kind of pass some things down as they should have been. So now the year 100, they're having to start to think about how are we going to talk about these things? And you'll see, it gets, it gets a little weird. Um, they're trying to make sense of the story of Jesus. What does his death and resurrection mean? And when we talk about the atonement, that's really what we're talking about. Um, what, what, it, what's happening here? What effect does it have? And what, and what is the meaning of it? So evangelicals and, and even more widely Protestants and Catholics um, they talk about the atonement in terms of various theories. Now, they're not saying, um, I don't have proof. I only have a theory. They're not using it like that. They're saying there's a variety of ways over the history of the you know last 2000 years where different people have explained it kind of differently, some of them being more helpful than others. So they're, they're not they're not like dissing on Jesus and the atonement when they say theory. They're just saying we got a lot of ideas about it. So the very first guy who is writing very much at all about atonement theory, his name's Justin Martyr. We actually don't have much intact of what Justin wrote, but he's picked up by several other of the um, the church fathers. They call it the patristic period. Patristics is like the study of what the the earliest church fathers thought. So lots of people in the patristic era pick Justin up. Um, and one of those guys is Arrhenius and he quotes Justin a lot. So a lot of what we know about Justin is kind of via this other guy, Arrhenius. So he's born in Turkey. He is sent to France as a bishop. Um, his tomb existed in France until like the middle ages. His remains were there. Um, 1500s, you know, some stuff was happening in France. The Huguenots, or Huguenots are French Protestants. They're mad at the Catholics, and they they raid Irenaeus's grave, and his remains are gone. Anyway, he popularizes Justin Martyr's early attempt at understanding the atonement in what is now called the recapitulation view of atonement. And in this view, Christ is seen as the new adam who succeeds where adam failed christ undoes the wrong that adam did 
And because of his union with humanity, because Christ has become human, he is able to lead humans to eternal life, including moral perfection. Now, Latter-day Saint friends, you probably noticed two things in that description of um, the recapitulation view of atonement. Number one, this view hinges on the idea that what Adam did in the garden threw humanity off course, that it was not the plan from the beginning. Um, William Barclay, he's a theologian and he writes Protestant commentaries. He says about this theory, um, through man's disobedience, the process of the evolution of the human race went completely wrong. And the course of its wrongness could neither be halted nor reversed by any human means. In Jesus Christ, the whole course of human evolution was perfectly carried out and realized in obedience to the purpose of God. So as you can see here, they have no sense whatsoever of, of like a fortunate fall that Adam was doing what had to be Eve, but Adam too, was doing like what had to be done to move the whole human project forward. There's none of that. Um, there is a sense that God um, is disappointed, maybe even surprised. Um, this certainly, there was no counsel in the beginning that foresaw this coming. Let me put it that way. Um, God didn't plan that they would need a savior. So this theory comes about kind of with God going like, oh no, what am I going to do? And he decides to send Jesus. The other thing you will notice here um, is the phrase moral perfection. Like the, the whole idea here in this theory is that humans can increase towards moral perfection. And during this time, um, around 100, 200 AD, there was still a belief that becoming like God actually meant becoming like God. For Irenaeus, the ultimate goal of Christ's work was that humankind could become divine. Evangelical friends, Protestant friends, I know your heads just exploded. I'm sorry, but that's what was going on with the early church fathers. Um, Arrhenius says that Jesus became what we are, that he might bring to us even what he is himself. That's in his um, Against Heresies, chapter book five. The idea is taken up by many of the other church fathers, St. Athanasius, Gregory, Augustine, Maximus, all kinds of them, eventually um, by about 1000 AD, this is really only existing in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Around that time, the the church had kind of grown up like this. And at that point, the Eastern Orthodox, they, they go off on their own and they take that theory with them. The idea that man is to become like God. Um, Eastern Orthodox still retain that view today. Um, they call it theosis or deification. Um and there are Eastern Orthodox all over the world. They practice that belief today. All other Christian groups 
everyone who comes out of Protestants, everyone who comes out of Catholics, everyone who Baptists see themselves as coming out of neither one of those. Um, all of those groups have lost this idea, this plain and precious truth. Um, the people who believe this are us, Latter-day Saints, and our friends, the Eastern Orthodox. Um, so, so that's what recapitulation theory is. Um, as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may be. Thank you, Lorenzo. The theory mostly gets lost. Eventually, the Eastern Orthodox picks it up, but it mostly gets lost. The next one that comes and takes its place in history is called the ransom theory. And the ransom theory um, replaces recapitulation around the year 400. Um, I'll quote Robin Collins here, who is an expert on this era. He says, essentially, this theory claimed that Adam and Eve sold humanity over to the devil at the time of the fall. Hence, it required that God pay the devil a ransom to free us from the devil's clutches. God, however, tricked the devil into accepting Christ's death as a ransom for the devil did not realize that Christ could not be held in the bonds of death. Once the devil accepted Christ's death as a ransom, this theory concluded, justice was satisfied and God was able to free us from Satan's grip. That's ransom theory. Um, Latter-day Saint friends, you will recognize less and less of what you know of the atonement in these theories as we go along. And this is a pretty good example of that. However, this theory does make for a very charming children's book. You know, it is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. All of the Nernia books essentially are a working out of ransom theory. Um, Aslan is the lion. Why does Aslan have to die? Because the witch reminds Aslan of the deep magic, right? And that magic is, in fact, the atonement theory being worked out in Narnia. Um, Aslan's death must be a ransom to satisfy that deep magic. But the witch did not remember that Aslan could overcome death. And therefore, he sets everything right. All the statues, you know, melt back into people or whatever. Um this theory, you know, it develops around 400. It's the prevailing theory all the way up into the, the early Middle Ages. This one lasts for a really long time. There's not tons of other scholarship going on. Um, and we will talk about a rival theory to this. Um, but it was sort of the, the big player. It's not surprising that C.S. Lewis picks this theory up in his Narnia books his um, academic specialty was the Middle Ages. So like, of course, that's where he goes for, for material. Lewis later says that he prefers this theory because it allows us to think of ourselves as somehow participating in Christ's death, not something that happens to him that we're completely uninvolved in. It, Lewis loved the Middle Ages, so there you go. Um, there was there was another um, theory starting to gain some popularity, though. And they call it the satisfaction theory. This theory, it uses the metaphor of a relationship between a feudal lord and his people. 
the peasants. The people live on his land. It belongs to the Lord. They're expected to pay rent in the form of crops or animals, whatever it is that they're they're doing for a living. If the people do something wrong that harms the land, harms the buildings on the land, they must pay for the damages. So in this theory, essentially Christ pays the damages instead of us. But they really see it as um, Christ is kind of punished instead of us. In ransom theory, um, Christ is suffering to overcome death itself, right? Like the, the first theory we talked about, Christ is, he's trying to like trick this deep magic. But in satisfaction theory, he is suffering that the honor or possession that has been taken away from the, the feudal Lord, in this case, which is God, that that must be paid back. The debt must be satisfied. So it's satisfaction theory. The peasants are supposed to pay back the feudal Lord for the damages they did to his property, but they are peasants. So they are unable to pay back the damage. Christ pays the debt for them and the feudal Lord is satisfied. Um, the, the rival theory that's going along at, at this time is called the moral influence theory of atonement. And it says that God was trying to influence humanity by showing this great act of love of sending Jesus. Um, the theory does not, moral influence does not really last very long. There, there's just not enough in the culture where that one kind of got legs to, to go for very long. It morphs into something that we call the moral exemplar theory which instead of like God trying to influence humanity, it says um, Jesus provided a good example for us in obeying God even to his death. And so we should do likewise. It, it moves the object to Jesus and makes it a little bit more um, specific. Neither one of those lasts very long. 500 years later, we're completely into what is still the most popular theory today, called penal substitutionary atonement. Um, and this happens, you know, 15, 1500s, 1600s. We've been on this one for a good 500 years. Um, penal substitutionary atonement removes the feudal Lord metaphor and replaces it with a courtroom metaphor. So penal, like penal code, like the, the legal code. So a law has been broken a criminal has been brought into the court. We're no longer thinking of like property damage as much as we are thinking of rule keeping. Um, the judge in this scenario is Heavenly Father and he is angry. He's mad that his rules have been broken and someone must be punished. So Christ steps in and takes the punishment for us because we couldn't bear it on our own. Um, this, this is still the most popular theory that most Christians hold today. It, there are others though. Um, by the 18th century, there's a short-lived theory called the government theory of atonement. Um, so this is like the 1700s, obviously just around the world, well, Europe and, and North America, there's lots of thinking about what is a government, how should governments be? So basically, 
they use this metaphor they take out the courtroom and put it in as a government of like god is the perfect government and sometimes things in a government need to be corrected and and you need a person who's going to be able to do that and jesus is that person now and now it doesn't super go anywhere um there's also a theory called the um, christus victor which is it's really it's just a modernization of the ransom theory um except for that in this version Jesus is battling like against evil powers. He's like super strong, like this super buff spiritual guy. And he can like punch the devil in the face or something. Um, there, there are a whole variety of modern theories that have come up even in the last 50 years. There's a feminist theory of atonement. There, there's a theory of atonement for almost every identity. Um, there's an accident theory which basically says god never even intended for jesus to be killed but it happened and so he rolled with it like there's lots and lots and lots of theories and they kind of get progressively weirder one of the reasons i wanted to go through all of the specifics of this and spell it out to you is so that you can see how the further away from the time of christ we get the more has been lost, the more the theories change, the more they, they, they get weird. Saying that plain and precious truths were lost is no joke. Um, and there's a lot more depth we could have gone into on atonement theory. And you, you would see like much has been lost. It, even in those series, like some of them don't even consider atonement infinite. They consider it limited, which I know is just super strange to your ears. Um, one thing you might notice in most of these theories is that God is mad. He's offended. He's, he's angry and has to be appeased in some way, whether it's seeing him as a feudal lord or an angry judge or or something like God's God's pissed off and humans have a big problem. I will compare that to what we believe as Latter-day Saints. In our view, we existed with God before we were born. He sends us to earth to learn and grow. But he fully is aware that that's going to come with us making some mistakes, including terrible deliberate decisions to disobey him to hurt others to hurt ourselves to hurt the planet to hurt god himself that we were going to make those choices and that those things would pile up and we would never be able to return to god he knew this from the beginning so he sets out a plan that jesus christ will come and be our savior, offer forgiveness, a lifetime of opportunity to repent and get back on track so that we can return to the presence of God. This is what atonement theory is for us. Our ability to repent and come back to God is only possible because of Jesus's role as savior. Um, we have a life of practicing repentance that we may return to him. As man is, God once was. As God is, man may be. Thank you.
for joining me for all of this. I hope it gives you some insight, not only into what other people are thinking about the atonement, but also maybe how you can better understand your own beliefs. Join us next time. We have one more week in the Gospels, and then we move on to the book of Acts, which will be super fun. I look forward to seeing you then.